I, I, I've challenged you last week about faith, faith and doubt. The idea is this, that you would ask God, God, where do I need to be stretched in my faith? Where do I need to, what, what is hindering my faith? Because we all know this, doubt comes from time to time in our life. That's a reality. But I can't let doubt be the distraction in my life that pulls me away from the faith that God wants me to walk in. And so challenge you on that. And then the prayer I've been praying, and I, I, one of the services last Sunday, I, I said this, maybe both. I said this, I'm praying for unexpected encounters in your life. Those God moments that you didn't plan for. Where God shows up and, and gets your attention. Unexpected encounters. That's what I titled uh, this message this morning. Unexpected encounters. And, and certainly throughout God's word you see the unexpected encounters. I'll be reading in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 here in a few moments. But, but you see those. You see the life of the Apostle Paul. Before he was ever Paul, I mean, Apostle Paul, he was Paul. Well, he was Saul. But then one day, one day, while he was persecuting the church, while he had got the permission and authorization uh, from the Sanhedrin to, to persecute the church, and he had the letters, and he's on the road to Damascus. He's going to pull people out of their homes. They're, going to, they're Christ followers that are in the way. They're going to, they're going to persecute them and... and uh, just do horrible things to get them to quit following Jesus. And on that road, you see, I think Paul is an OCD almost kind of guy. Are you with me? I mean, he's just a guy that's a detail guy. He's, got, he's a guy that has a list. Checking it twice, right? He's, he, he's got the list, and he knows what's going to happen next. He didn't have on the list that day that while traveling to Damascus, to capture some Christ followers, I'm going to meet with Jesus on the way there. That wasn't on his list. It was an unexpected encounter on, his, on the road to Damascus that he met Jesus. Now, his life would forever be changed because of the encounter, the unexpected encounter that he had with Jesus. He'll, he'll never look the same as he did before. He'll never be the same. He'll never think the same. Everything's altogether going to be different in Paul's life because of that one encounter with Jesus. Some of you here this morning would say, it was that encounter with Jesus that has changed my life. Anybody with me say yes? yes. Yeah, we had that encounter with Jesus. Changed everything. I think it was the disciples. I mean, throughout Jesus' life, earthly ministry and life here, there were encounters that, that were transformative, but the disciples were fishing. Now we're following Jesus. We were fishing, catching fish. Now we're following Jesus to fish for men. Unexpected encounter. Levi, he's collecting taxes, and he's looked down upon by all of society there, except for some of the Romans, and I think the Romans even looked down on him, by the way, but he's, they're manipulating people and stealing and robbing people as a tax collector. Now, he's not doing that. Instead, he's following Jesus. Unexpected encounter. Zacchaeus in the tree. Are you with me? Who, who now is, is, is trying to peer into what's going on, and now he's getting rid of all the stuff that he had, that he had collected and, 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 and making retribution and trying to get his life in order because of what that encounter with Jesus meant for him. Is John a Christ follower on the, isle, on the island of Patmos who says, it, on, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he had an encounter with Jesus that would forever change John. Right? He's John the evangelist. 
St. John, John uh, the Apostle, John the Disciple, the Beloved Disciple. He's got all kinds of names. But because of that one encounter, people are going to remember him now as John the Revelator because he had an encounter with Jesus. I'm telling you, an encounter with Jesus can change the trajectory of your life forever. And I'm not preaching this morning just to people who don't know Jesus or people who are far from Jesus. Yes, I'm here for you. But I'm preaching to people who are following Jesus and, and helping you to understand you can have an encounter today, this week, this month with Jesus that will blow your mind and be a game changer for your life. And Moses, well, he had, he had an encounter. Moses is an incredible guy. When you read about I encourage you, during this 50 Days of Fire, be a great study to go back in, you know, the books that you don't read as much, the book of Exodus, and just read a little bit about Moses. My wife on Mother's Day, she introduced some of you that maybe weren't familiar with Jochebed, Moses' mother, and how great of a lady that, that she was, and that she, she took her son, and he was placed into the river, and out of the river... Pharaoh's daughter fetched him. There's a good word. Fetched. Everybody say fetched. Rescued out of the, out of the, out of the waters where, where danger was there and all kinds of things could have happened. But yet, it, I believe this, it was a setup by God. Because the people were crying out to God to bring a deliverer, someone that would rescue them because they were in a very, uh, just a disturbing, frustrating Difficult, horrible situation. And they're crying out, God, please deliver us. And God sends Moses in the basket and Pharaoh's daughter. Anybody could have gotten him. Alligators could have had him. But instead, he ends up in the palace of all places. Well, I guess if you want somebody to learn the protocol of the palace and you want someone to learn what it is to, to be among royals and how, to, how government works and how to dialogue with and negotiate with officials and, and what it is to lead people. Well, that'd be a good place to learn a lot of that stuff. Are you with me? Set up by God that he ends up there. And then Moses, growing up there one day, I don't know how it worked for him. I don't know if from when he was a child or if one day he just had the revelation. But at some point in his, in his storyline, Moses has has this revelation that he is a Hebrew. And he's out one day, 40 years, about 40 years, and he's out there. And he sees an Egyptian slave master beating, being harsh to a Hebrew. And Moses kills that Egyptian. He thinks, maybe, I think, I think he thinks everything's okay. He did a just thing, in his opinion, I'm sure. I mean, our story always is, is good and right. Anybody hear that? Like, you heard my side of the story, you'd be good. And so Moses probably thought, well, that's a good thing. And, and, and his intention may have been good. Next day, he's out there, and there's two Hebrews fighting. And the one that did wrong, when Moses begins to step into this, says, are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Now Moses knows people know. Pharaoh knows. I mean, Pharaoh's had enough of Moses. Moses heads out into the wilderness out of fear. He flees in fear. You might write that down if you're taking notes. He flees in fear. He gets out there, 
lands at a, at a watering hole at a well. There's a whole lot of stories in the Bible about, about uh, a guy going to the local watering hole and meeting a woman. And that's exactly what happens with Moses. Jesus even did it, right? You guys remember the story of the woman at the well, right? It's, it's, it's a popular um, a narrative throughout Scripture. But, but here, he, here he is, and, and these ladies that were the son of the Midianite priest, when they would go there to water their flocks, well, men would come with their flocks and push them out of the way, and they would take a long time being able to do that. And so Moses steps in, defends their right and their, their, their position in line to get water. And then when they get back home, Jethro, is, their father, is like, well, how did you do that so quickly? usually takes you a long time. They said there was an Egyptian man. Isn't it funny how they see Moses? Moses sees himself as a Hebrew now. They see him as an Egyptian. And no doubt, we, don't all, we picture Charlton Heston with a beard when we think of Moses. Right? When we get to heaven and we meet Moses, if he doesn't look like that, we're going to be disappointed. I would tell you the reason they said he was an Egyptian is probably he probably had his body shaved because that's what Egyptians do, painted on eyebrows, right? He probably had that look, was probably dressed like an Egyptian. No doubt there's some scruff and some hair growing out because he's been in the wilderness, but, but they recognize enough about him that he's Egyptian. Story goes, he ends up with Zipporah, a wife, and is there. Now he'll spend the second third of his life out on the backside of the desert, Herding sheep. Herding and tending to sheep. One day, one day, he's out doing that. Now we're going to pick it up there in, in Exodus 3. One day he's doing that. And it says this, verse 1 of chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. In fact, it was a strong, not twice, but Moses with a loud, powerful expression with an emphasis. And he said, Moses said, here I am. Here I am. Now, many of you probably know that story. You're familiar with that passage whether, whether you've seen, I've not seen it, but the, is it the Prince of Egypt? Or you've seen the Ten Commandments or one of the other movies or cartoons about this. But So you may be familiar. Maybe you've heard it many times, this story. Moses having an encounter with fire. Now, just so you know, this encounter will mark Moses' life forever. In fact, I believe that if you don't have this encounter here we wouldn't be talking about Moses, right? If there's not this encounter with fire that we see here, Moses would, would have fallen off in history somewhere and no one would have ever remembered his name, but it's because of this encounter. You may be one encounter with fire away from stepping into the greatness God has for your life. Moses, you know, seeing fire in a semi 
desert area. Well, that's not shocking. I'm sure that he's seen fire in the desert, that, that bushes have burned in the desert under the extreme heat that happens there and the sunlight and, and, and things that go on with nomadic people and, and, and trying to stay warm in the night, the fires they would burn uh, for themselves and what could happen with that. So fire is not necessarily something that's going to show up and cause someone to turn aside. I love it when it says this, Moses said, to him, said, said this to himself, that, that now I'll turn aside and look. And I'm just wondering when Moses is writing this, if he's writing to tell us that he thought that in his mind, or if he actually just said that standing out there with the sheep, now I will turn aside and look. <laughs> when you study that, when you find out the answer, let me know. But, but, but here's Moses, and he sees fire. It's not just any fire. This is fire that, is, that a bush is on fire, but the bush is not burning. It's not being consumed by the fire. Well, that's an attention getter. Remember, the writer in Hebrews says that our God is a consuming fire. And yet here, we see God working. You see God in the form of the Holy Spirit, fire. Then it says the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord many times is a reference in the Old Testament to Jesus, what they call Christophany, Jesus showing up pre-New Testament. And then you hear the voice, the voice of God, God the Father speaking. And Moses responds, not out of a sense of location. God knew where he was at. Moses knew where he was at, but out of a sense of availability. Here I am. Here I, I don't know what I'm looking at right now, Moses may have said. Maybe he recognized specifically at that moment it was a voice of God. Maybe he recognized the angel of the Lord. And he's, and he's made himself available now, or maybe he just didn't know what he'd come upon at that moment, and he said, I don't know what this is, but here I am. I'm here. I'm available. I've never stepped into a moment like this before, and I am available. And so then God begins to outlay his plans to Moses. I'm going to rescue my people. I've heard their cries. I've heard them crying out. Sometimes you got to get to a place and in your spiritual walk that you're willing to just cry out to God. I hear their cries, and I'm going to deliver them. And by the way, I'm going to use you to do it. Moses knew his record. He's a murderer, and he's fled from, he's fled from justice. And now he's been out here. Maybe people have forgotten. The Pharaoh that was in power had died. And so it says in chapter 4, it says, Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod or a staff. And the Lord said, cast it on the ground. So Moses cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. And then the Lord said that they may, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Unexpected encounter. One that defines Moses. One that, one that will take the 
the, the latter third of his life and make it the greatest season of his life. You may be here this morning and you feel like, well, you know, I've lived this amount of life or I've did this or I've did that. and I don't know if God can use you. Well, he can. We don't ever think about Moses the murderer. We don't think about Moses the coward. But God looked at Moses and knew all that stuff. And God still used him. And the way that he starts the conversation with Moses is this. What is that in your hand? And that's a question for you. What is it in your hand? What is in your life right now? For Moses, for Moses it was that, that rod, that staff, that shepherd's staff. We see a, you see a picture of a shepherd. Well, most of the time you're going to see him with, that, with that, that big stick, right, that rod. Maybe it's got a crook at the top. And there's many uses for it, and that's not today's information you'll get out of this. But, but um, he, you know, you could say, well, maybe God was trying to help him to see that little is much when God is in it. I'm like, yeah, that could be. That could be a, you could write that down. Go look up that song. You'll like that song. I don't think that's what's going on here. You, you could say, well, God didn't know what was, what was in his hand. No, he, he knew. This question is for Moses. The question is for you. What's in your life right now? What's in your life right now? And, and, and by the way, for the shepherd, their, that, that staff that they had, that rod in their hand, is pretty significant because it spoke to who they were. They carried that, and in the, in the hours where they would wait, letting the, the sheep graze, or in the, the night while they're sitting around the fire at night, talking and doing stuff, those shepherds would carve out on that rod their story. In fact, if you looked at a, a, shepherd's, a shepherd's staff, you, you would see the story of their life carved out, notched out in the wood of that staff. I'd like to, see, I'd like to have seen David's staff at time when God delivered him from the paw of the lion, that story, that story where God delivered him from the paw of the bear. That story, because it looks to me like even after he killed Goliath, he might have did some, some, some tending to sheep. That story about when he brought the, the giant down. Because we'd recognize those stories, and I'd like to see how David just carved it out on his staff. In fact, it's so much unique to the shepherd that if, if there were five shepherds together and they laid their staff on a rock over here, all five of them, that when they got up to go get their staff, they would know exactly which one was there because of what it looked like, because what the story that was associated with it. Are you with me? Check with me. And so when God says to Moses, what is that in your hand? Well, that is who Moses is. At least that's what Moses thinks. Moses probably stinks. Again, I may be changing your perception of Moses, but he's been out tending to sheep in this Bedouin nomadic lifestyle that he's, he's found himself in. And um, he's got the shepherd, and he's got the clothing, and he's got the, the stench of all that he's been in. And this defines who he is. And God says, drop it. Drop, drop that rod, drop that staff. In fact, I, I, believe, I believe this this morning. That's exactly what God is saying to us. You're listening online. God is saying it to you this morning. Drop, let go, release your grip of a distracted persona. You know what a persona is, don't you? Anybody see the, the, the I don't know, it's recent, a couple years old maybe, 
the movie Mr. Rogers. I don't know what it's called, but anybody see that? Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers. Like, let me hear you if you did. Okay, so a bunch of you. So when I'm watching that, I'm just going to tell you, you just think it's Mr. Rogers. Do not see, it just, he did such a good, he just stepped into that persona so much that if you put, if you, if you Fred Rogers was alive, you put him here and you put Tom Hanks here, they don't seem to me to look anything alike at all. If I was going to pick somebody to play Fred Rogers, I wouldn't have picked Tom Hanks. He doesn't look like Fred Rogers. And yet when I'm watching it, he becomes Fred Rogers. That's not who he is, but he becomes that. He puts on that persona. Anybody see the movie about Lincoln? Say yes if you did. Okay, some of you did. Some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you that didn't, you, you need to, uh, it's a good one. If you, if you like history and if you don't, it's still a good one. Daniel Day-Lewis plays Lincoln. I'm just telling you, I felt like I was watching Abraham Lincoln. It just looked just like, acted just like I think Lincoln would act. And they studied and they've worked on to become, to, to, to put on that persona. And we recognize that. And I want to tell you, it's incredible to see. But here's what we do in life. We do what Moses did. We put on a persona sometimes. It really isn't who we are. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a, I, I've done it in life. I don't know if you've ever done it. I've done it before as, as a kid. You ever send your kid off to somebody's house and they come back and they're using words they never used before? My little granddaughter, I shared it on Facebook a few weeks ago. It was around her birthday. Uh, little granddaughter, Lucia, she used to like watch Peppa Pig. I think she's grown out of that. It, a cartoon bugs me because they got two eyes on one side, you know. I think there's some satanic message in that. I don't know. That's a whole Peppa Pig. Stay away from Peppa Pig is another message for another time. I'm playing. I'm playing. But, but she picked up the accent off of that, and she could do it to a T. She sounded like she just walked out of, like, Birmingham, England or something, and she just got the accent because she picked up that from, from viewing that. And, and we all, well, we've, we've done like Moses. I say Moses did that. Here's why. Here's why. Because I don't think the, the desert taking care of sheep was ever God's plan for Moses. I'm going to challenge some of your thinking. I don't think it was ever God's plan. Now, God will work in our mistakes and our wrong decisions. You see, that moment when he murdered that guy, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan wasn't for Moses to take that Egyptian's life. It just wasn't. If you think it was, no, it wasn't. God's plan wasn't to murder that guy. In fact, Moses did, I think it was premeditated. Because here's what it says. The Bible says this, that Moses looked this way, and then he looked that way. Now, now, I would get it if it was a fit of rage and he grabbed the guy and threw him to the ground, even though I think it's wrong and he shouldn't have done it. I would understand that that was just something in the heat of passion that he did. But that's not what he did. The Bible says he looked this way and looked that way and made sure the coast is clear. Then he killed that guy. Cold-blooded murder. He had time to breathe and think about what he was doing. And he went ahead and did it. And now the emotion that's leading him not the Holy Spirit, not the will of God, the emotion that's leading. And be careful when you let your emotions lead. It can get you in a dangerous place. Let me show you something. Some people this morning let their emotions lead and they're not even here. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, man, I just feel like I ought to stay in bed a little longer. I'll watch it later on today. We have like 100, I don't know, 10 times, 10 times, 15 times the amount of people that watch the online, after the online's already been done. So a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people, I love you online people. <laughs> I'm just saying, 
Sometimes we let emotions lead us. Moses was led by fear to get out of Egypt. He made a bad decision. He followed wrong emotions, followed emotions. And now he's in a place where he'll spend 40 years of his life trying to get back on track. Not even trying. Because sometimes when you, when you make that decision and you depart from God's plan for your life, sometimes people will spend a lifetime there and never, ever get back on track. You see, you say, Pastor, but look how God trained him in the desert. Well, I get that. Look how God trained him as a shepherd. I get that. I think God redeemed that time for something. I'm just saying, I don't think that ever had to be God's will. God called Moses to lead people, not sheep. And while, here's, here's, the, here's the, the incredible setup of God was, I'm going to put you in the very place where no Hebrew is going to have the advantage of being schooled and learned in all the ways of government and all the protocols. I'm going to put you in there, and you're going to be the leader. Now, it could have been, unless you limit God really low, it could have been that God could have raised Moses up right there in the seat of that place and led millions of Egyptians to, to God as well. I don't know. I'm not going to limit God. Here's what I know. Satan has a strategy, and it's to get you to have a wrong picture of God, to distort your view of God. Because if you get a distorted picture of God, you'll never be able to. There's people that have had a bad experience with a father, earthly father, and then they can't go to a heavenly father because they only see him the way they saw an earthly father. God will try to distort your picture of who God is so you'll never come. Or the enemy will try to distort your picture of who God is so you'll never come to him. The other thing that he does, it's a two-pronged strategy, is to get you to get a wrong picture of yourself, to distort who you are. And so, so I love what the Apostle Paul says in uh, Philippians 3. He said, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. That right there should be our banner, right? Paul says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. In other words, I got you on this one. He said, because I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning the zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which uh, is in the law blameless, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, some Bibles say dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his death. In other words, Paul says, you know what? I've did some stuff. And if anybody's got bragging rights, if anybody wanted to say, look what I've done, look what, look what I've accomplished, well, I could say that, Paul could tell us. I could say that because I, I, I was raised up in, 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 a, in a family I was, I was schooled by Gamel. I, I, I've got the Pentateuch memorized. First five books of the Bible are right here. I, I've done some stuff. But he says this, in following Christ, in my passion for Jesus, I count all of that just rubbish. The Greek word there is, is so coarse. 
that uh, normally Paul would not have used that in speaking, but he wants to make sure he drives this home. It, it would be like going to Ruth Chris. Anybody like to go there? Some of you are like, yeah, let's go. Somebody's like, I've never been, but, you know, it just sounds good. It's it like going there. I've, I've been there, I don't know, once or twice. People have given me gift cards before. Praise God. It's blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm not insinuating that anybody needs to do that at all. I'm just saying it's happened before. And Kim and I was sitting there. And they treat you like, they treat you like you're a millionaire or a billionaire or something. Like, I mean, the service is impeccable. And, and they bring the steak out, and it's good, and the stuff, and all the stuff around it, and you eat it. But, but it would be like if you went there and had this beautiful meal, superb, excellent. And then you hang on to that thing for the rest of your life. No, you're going to expel it. Are you with me? Right? The, the word there, the nice word that I'll, I'll describe this, dung, rubbish, fecal matter. Right? It would be like if you go there, the Apostle Paul went to Ruth Chris, and then he went to the toilet, and he hit the flush button, and walked off from it, and never looked back. Are you with me? Please understand, I can't tell you how, how, how pointed and how direct he's being with the Greek that he uses here, but he's saying this, I count it all as just dung, nothing, flushed, over with, because I'm pursuing Jesus. Oh yeah, I've got accolades, he could have said. I've got some achievements, I've did some stuff, but it is nothing compared. I leave it all behind to press into what God has for me through Christ Jesus. And that means this, that you may have some stuff that you've done. You may even come with a religious pedigree. Your isms and schisms and all the stuff. We're non-denominational. I'll say, we, we, don't, we don't agree with anybody that we can hang out with. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but what happens is we come with people all kinds of, you come from, you know, Catholicism or Pentecostalism or Episcopalianism. I'm just adding some stuff. Wherever you come from, Calvinism, right, wherever you come from, you come, and I'm saying this, that that may seem like that's an identifier important, you flush it and say, Jesus, I want you, right? And, I, and, I, and I'm also, I'm talking about the stuff we've done. Well, you know, I did this thing and I did this thing. Well, that's good. Let it go and press into Jesus. Your works, your wounds, the stuff in your life that, that is hurt, let God help you flush that to move on. Moses has got to let it all go. He's got to, he's got to empty himself of all this. Your worst, everybody, everybody in here has got a worst. Somebody did something to you. You made a bad decision yourself. You, 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 you have this on your record or that on your record. Okay, flush it. Let's move into what God has. Don't hang on. Sometimes I meet people and they say, I'm divorced. And I feel like they almost wear that as like they've got this badge now. No, you had a divorce. Let's move on to the new things God has for you. Are you with me? People tell me about, you know, I had, I've, I've, I've got a criminal record. Okay, let God, let God move you on past that because God has a bright future for you. I'm just saying that when you come to Jesus, you come, don't try to keep the baggage you've had. Let God help you throw that down and drop it and move on to what he has for you. Your hurts, your habits. You say, Pastor, I got this addiction. I know the God who can help you with your addiction. He can help you to drop it and move into the new future God has for you. Our hang-ups, 
well, I go to church. I'm, I'm here today because somebody invited me, but, you know, I just got this problem, that problem, that problem. I'm just saying this. Just flush it. Everybody say flush it. That's what Paul's saying. It's rubbish, trash. And then, and then he's here and he's dropped it, his staff, the thing that he's familiar with, and it's turned into a snake. And the Bible says this, that, he, that he, he, he's moving away. I don't know. I, I would do that too probably. Anybody with me? Like, I don't want no snake. People have them in their house and, you know, pray for them. It's not as bad as a cat, but, you know, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. But, but you know, I'm just not a good snake person because I'm pretty sure it's going to bite me. And so I'd move away. And Moses did that. Moses like, whoa. And then God says this strange thing, pick it up. Now, if God didn't tell you that, you probably, if you're afraid of it, you probably wouldn't want to do it. Probably couldn't. In fact, God gives him specific direction in how to do this, right? And, and I believe this, that when, when it comes to, to encountering the fire of God and understanding that the first process is emptying yourself out of all that you thought that you, you were, of, of the persona that you picked up that is not you, that emptying yourself out and then listening for God's unique instruction. See, God won't leave you hopeless and helpless in, in your walk with him. He'll give you He'll give you instructions. By the way, that's why I tell people, get, get in God's word, read this. God will speak to you from his word. Does anybody can confirm that, that that's happened for you? Say yes. yes. God, will, God will confirm his word with you and he'll speak to you. You gotta be listening for God's unique instruction. I can say that I am, but then when God speaks to something, something to me that challenges me, then push it off. I've got, I've got to allow myself to be emptied and then God give me this. Because, you know, Moses, he could have just stomped on the snake. He could have held it and then grabbed behind its head and picked it up. Sounds like maybe I've seen people do that. He could grab the pillowcase. I mean, probably some of his clothes look like pillowcases. I don't know. In the, in the plays I've seen, that's, always, that's what it looks like. And throwing it on a snake and covered it up and then tried to grab it. God said, pick it up by its tail. Now, when he did... Well, it became the rod that he had once again. Now, I wonder, I just wonder, I just wonder if all the stuff that he carved out was changed. I wonder if, this, this is just me talking. This, I don't have any scripture for this. I'm just going to tell you. I just wonder if when Moses picked it up, if on that staff, if it looked altogether different than his history and it was his destiny instead. Maybe not. I do know this. It became a rod again. And he had it in his hand. And Moses was about to get back what he lost way back there. Forty years. Forty years. Some of you could mark that off and say, well, that's, his life's over. He's, he's approaching 80. No, it's just beginning. He's going to step back in. God's going to give him 40 years to accomplish the call that God has for his life. Moses thought that he was a shepherd. If you'd asked him, he'd have said, I'm a shepherd. And God's saying, you're a leader. Get back on track. This is your opportunity. Moses, here's the thing. Moses, when he picks it up, Moses will now be Moses the prophet instead of Moses the shepherd. He'll now be Moses the miracle worker rather than just Moses the sheep tender. He'll now be Moses the spokesman for the justice of God instead of being Moses the fugitive from justice. Moses stepped in to something that he had lost for so long. 
And I think for many of you to understand that the greatest fulfillment in life that you'll have is when the gifting and the skills and the talents that God's placed in your life get put to use to bring him glory and honor and to lead other people to Jesus. That's why we do steps. We'll have another session coming up here in June or July. We do steps to help people become a part of Elevation Church. But more than that, to help you understand this is... This is the gifts God has placed in your life. This is the incredible personality God has given you. This is the passion that's in your life. You can step into that and begin to see that unfold in your life. And that's powerful. Greatest fulfillment. Before I was a pastor, I did, well, I did all kinds of stuff when I was a pastor. I was bivocational for almost 10 years. I worked a secular job and, and led a church. And I did, a, I did my best job at doing that work. But my passion was not doing the stuff I did through the week. It was the idea that on Sunday morning, I will stand in front of those people and deliver what God's given me. And we can let a whole lot of things hinder us from ever stepping into it. I'm saying that if you have an encounter with the fire of God, it'll remove all the excuses. It'll cause you to empty yourself and listen for God and his instruction, and he'll take you to an elevation you've never been before. I love what Neil Anderson said. He said, a Christian is not simply a person who is forgiven and goes to heaven. A Christian, in terms of his or her deepest identity, is a saint, a spiritually born child of God, a divine masterpiece, a child of light, a citizen of heaven. Right? God's calling you to something big. And the enemy would so much like for you to get a distorted picture of God and a distorted picture of yourself so you never step into the reality of what God has for you. And today, and this time of 50 days of fire, is stepping into that place where you have an encounter with the fire of God and it forever changes you. And all the, all the falsifications that we put on life, the things people spoke over you when you were a kid, stuff that was done to you, people that betrayed you in life, people that walked out and abandoned you, the addictions that tried to put their, uh, put their uh, tentacles on you, stuff that, the stuff that you've went through, all of that, moved away to get to the place that Jesus has for you and to move toward that with passion. Acts 1-4 says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Some of your Bibles may say tarry. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. The idea is this. John the Baptist said, you know, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And, and the idea is right here, you see it just like you saw with Moses. With Moses, it was the angel of the Lord. It was the fire of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God. And here you have Jesus speaking. Jesus speaking about the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for your life. Game changer.